I'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and create today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I'd also like to extend this respect to any First Nations, Torres Strait Islander and Maori peoples listening. The bar has been lifted really, really high and it actually, it has become even more about who you know, mm-hmm. which sucks because, you know, as we kind of spoke about before, some people are at level one and some people are at level four. But I think in the, the rounds that we've done, it's become more and more apparent that you can have 50% of the business stuff and 100% connection mm. and get across the line. Yeah. You can have 100% of the business stuff and maybe 20% connection and you're not going to get there with the exact same idea, business model, everything. Like people want to invest in people that they know and that they can trust because a lot of it is about trust. And Mm. so you either have to really quickly build trust and rapport or you have to already have it. Dearest you, Maeva Heim and I first met after a panel I was on at Melbourne Fashion Festival back in, I believe it was 2018. Maeva and one of her besties, Cece, approached me afterwards to offer some very warm words of encouragement, and beautifully, we have remained connected ever since. We ended up guesting on each other's podcasts. So for anyone who doesn't know, Maeva was a founding host of Lady Brains prior to launching her texture-inclusive hair care brand, Bread, which we talk all about today. And when we recorded for Offline, it was 2019, and Bread was still an idea that was yet to be realised. Maeva was halfway through Sephora's Accelerate program, and four years later, we're having a very different conversation. She went on to secure investment and to launch Bread during the pandemic, no less, and it's now stocked exclusively in Sephora in Australia and in multiple beauty retailers in the US, including Sephora, Ulta, and Cult Beauty. I think this is a really wonderful episode for anybody who has an idea and knows, I think, that they don't want to self-fund, but that instead they'd like to fundraise. So some highlights include why Mather believes it's actually about who you know, not what you know. Spicy. What she did to build her network from the ground up, she went from knowing almost no one in the beauty industry to meeting and pitching to the hair care buyer at Sephora in the States, what she believes investors are looking for in pre-launch businesses, her take on the role our work plays in the overall shape of our lives. This was also a spicy one for me. Why not everyone is built to work in a startup? That's the truth. Stepping up as a leader and a CEO, why operating in 2022 was actually harder than launching during the pandemic, and her observations about the VC space right now. 
We had a lot of fun recording the second time around. We hope we offer you a lot of insight, but also many giggles. Here's Mava and I, four years on from our first honest conversation about building something that means something. Use the elbows. <laughs> um, I wanted to start by saying lunch was very fun yesterday. Thank you. And I don't actually know how to say this. And I, in all of this um, willingness and desire and very purposeful action to act in allyship, I also know I'm going to be wrong a lot, mm. but I want to raise it. I felt actually very honoured to be at the table oh. because when I looked around, I realised <laughs> that I was more or less the only white woman with blonde straight hair yeah. at the table. Yeah. And so that hit me in the guts because, mm. as you know, with my media background, for the hundreds of those lunches I've been to, everyone has looked like me. Yeah. And I was sitting at this very interesting lunch with this table full of people that I was like, well, I feel like. Mm, The other. The other. (laughs) And how relevant and healthy for me to sit in this texture and just kind of explore that and live that. So I just wanted to start there. Like obviously you had no ulterior motives and like whatever, but like. But that was very real for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not deliberate. However, the I think the makeup of that group and who we wanted to to kind of host and to celebrate was very deliberate. Um, and so it did cross my mind at one point. I was like, wow, look at the people that we have coming in who have RSVP'd. Like this is what we want for this brand and this is what we want for the Australian beauty landscape as well. And then we also invited people that were friends of the brand that mm-hmm. maybe like didn't fit into that kind mm-hmm. of group, um, but that we wanted to be there. So it definitely wasn't deliberate, but it certainly crossed my mind. I was like, it's, this is completely flipped from what you would ordinarily see at a media event or especially at a beauty media event. Um, and to be really transparent, we actually changed the concept of the event oh. because initially we really wanted to do a media lunch. Um, we haven't had the opportunity to do that yet for the brand. And I really wanted to meet a lot of the journalists and things that have written about us and just, you know, get a little bit closer to um, those groups here because we've been, obviously, we launched through the pandemic and all of those things. And so I was really looking forward to that. And then I got the guest list back and I thought, ah, uh, we can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our the brand and what I've always wanted for the brand is like, you know, while our products work for everybody, like there's a particular person that we want to celebrate. And part of the thing for me was always like, why don't we have brand experiences like that? Why aren't these brand experiences, including like black and black and brown people specifically? Um, and we never see that they're there, but why aren't they invited to these lunches or to these events? And, um, 
that bothered me a lot. So I was like, why would we as a brand Invest. not be doing that? Mm. Um, and so we had to change it and we had to go with like, let's invite community, let's invite creators, let's invite influencers um, and people that we know, you know, love the brand and maybe people who haven't seen the brand before um, so that we can have and celebrate the right group of people. Um, and that's just, I guess, a reflection of, it's not a reflection on, you know, people, mm. but it is a reflection of how non-diverse our media landscape is, which is unfortunate. 100%. Mm. And hearing you speak about that primary customer mm. while also serving that secondary customer, mm -hmm. I was like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just, yeah, really proud to be the secondary customer, oh. like good, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Um Hearing you speak your founding story four years after first hearing it, um, it's still so inspiring. And I just was listening to her. I was like, she has this nailed. Like, <laughs> it was just so tight um, mm. and so interesting. Um, but how many times have you told that story now? Because oh. you went into this press vortex mm -hmm. from, say, let's say 2020 through till now well, still. Still. Here we yep, are. Yep. Uh, I cannot count. I really cannot. And I, I feel like the story was, I mean, because it's a real story, it was formed and it was done from the beginning mm. and it hasn't changed. And so there's not really much else to else to embellish on. It's like, and so then. you can't really change it because you're like, well, this is what happened. So um, I could hear the um, the refinement and the tightening. Yes. Because yep. when I think about our episode, it's all there. Yes. But we just, um, it was, it was leisurely. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. We kind exactly. of sat in it. Yeah. 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 So it is a well-oiled <laughs> founding story now. Yeah, here it's I had go. a ton of oiling, you know, over time um, through a lot of Zooms. Um, I haven't had to do it in real life as much mm. actually, but very much virtually mm. or over calls or Zooms and things like that. So one of the things thousands. I was going to ask you is... Um, like two questions, but like, what what are you sick of talking about? Because um, I want to make sure we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I don't know. I mean, the founding story is what it is. I kind of have to do that spiel often. Um, I don't know if there's anything that I'm sick of talking about, to be honest. Although I think you know, I was listening back to our episode, and. Um, it's a, it's a silly thing to say because I have a hair brand, but I'm sick of talking about my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, oh, I just cringe when I hear myself talking about my hair because it's just such oh a... Do you know what it is? Is That's probably one of the only podcasts actually that I've gone like very deep on it about. Mm. Um, and I think part of that is the reason why bread exists actually is like mm -hmm. actually I don't want to talk about my hair I just want to like wash it and style it and whatever and um I don't want it to be a big heavy thing the emotional you know? texture of the texture of your yeah, hair yeah exactly so I can talk about my hair but I'm also like mm. I don't know I, I like talking about the brand mm -hmm. <laughs> well luckily I have no questions about your hair today so my um kind of follow-up to that is of course I have some topics I want to explore with you but um what is the key thing or theme 
that you're kind of actively moving through right now as a founder, Mm. as a bit of a jump off point for us? I think that I'm in a season of um, almost like maturing, I think. I don't know that I've necessarily seen myself as the leader in my company over the past almost three years. I've seen myself as the, um, almost like the conduit, like, yeah, I'm here and I made the brand and I'm the founder and those things, but I haven't necessarily fully grasped or taken on the responsibility of leading a team. People leader. Yes. And Mm. being the person that people are looking to for leadership Mm. of like the mission of the brand, right? And like, what are we doing? Like, where are we going? Um, And I think part of that is probably because I I didn't have the confidence in myself that like, yeah, that's what people are looking to me for. Um, Yeah, because you kind of put yourself in that bucket of like the visionary creative, the brand builder. Yeah. You know, versus the... Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is is still that, right? It's like, oh, people want to come and work with this company because they believe in me and they believe in the brand and they want to be like led from, you know, what they've seen and, and what they can see the brand can do. And so I'm definitely in this season now of like, okay, I'm the leader and, mm. and people are following me. Um, and just really, really taking that more seriously and actually feeling the confidence to do that now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm guessing has to be challenging when you are engaging a senior leadership team, many of whom I'm sure could have potentially decades more experience yeah. than you. But as we were saying yesterday, this is why we hire them yep. into our gaps. So that would be challenging in the beginning. And I get this question a lot actually in mentoring is when, Uh, really talented people step up into leadership positions and they start to lead Mm. legacy people or people that have been or saw themselves in that role Mm. and didn't get that role. Mm -hmm. Um, The age difference, the amount of time in the industry, Mm -hmm. is that, was that challenging? Is it like an age thing? Yes, sometimes. I think that, you know, I I would say half of our team um, is older than me in age. I, I don't think directly I've ever consciously thought about age. Mm. Um, And now I kind of see things as, I think the confidence comes from knowing that if someone else could do this, they would have done it. And you're not here because, you know, this is, I don't know, Procter & Gamble or Unilever and, you know, there's, there's a set path. You're here because you love the brand or you love, you know, the team or the company or whatever it is. And I created it. And so that's where the confidence comes from. It's like, Mm. oh, actually, no, I did do this. this. And I got us to this point and I can lead us forward. And so the age doesn't necessarily Mm. cross my mind that much unless I actually think about it or unless I'm asked. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, you know, half the team is older. and Probably says more about my own stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I think that's pretty common. Um, But, yeah, and also my peers. Like I've had feedback from um, peers who, you know, um, are having a lot of success as well or have like built 
things that are really big or that are a few years ahead of me. Um, and that's been their advice too, is like, you're doing it. So you need to have the confidence to be able to lead because, um, you created it and all of those things that got you to this point, like you did those things. And Mm -hmm. so you need to be able to trust in yourself so that your team can trust you too. Mm -hmm. Mm. Another question I had for you, you know, you're doing a lot of these types of interviews, like founder-based interviews Mm. and startup-based interviews. What do you think or what have you observed we aren't talking about enough Mm. in this kind of founder startup space? I think a lot of it, and this kind of uh, is something I've been thinking about quite a bit over the last year, is we always, always talk about how things are hard. And it's like, yeah, starting a company is hard. Being a founder is hard. Being a CEO is hard. Um, And people who have businesses often say it with a lot of like vigor, like, no, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And there's often not a lot of context around that. It's like, okay, but what does that mean? And so often you go into it thinking, of course, but I love a challenge. You know, Mm -hmm. people aren't starting companies because they don't love challenges. Like it's people who love challenges and they love to be kind of pushed to the limits and, you know, kind of have, you have to have a little bit of an inflated ego to start your own company and believe in, you know, what you can do. And so you think, of course, yeah, I can overcome all of those things. And obviously we are overcoming them because we're in it and we have to do it every day. Um, But yeah, I think the context around what that actually means is not fleshed out by a lot of people. And you kind of see a lot of the horror stories unfold, right? Sometimes you'll see a founder that has had to, especially in the last year, shut down a company or, um, you know, you know, lay off their whole team or whatever it might be. Um, And you don't really get to hear about what that's like. Mm. And I think those are the hard things. It's the things like having to deal with legal issues, Mm -hmm. financial issues, being sued, being, you know, and and especially when you start to get to a certain stage or you're operating in, I would say, like a US environment or you're venture backed, like people start coming for you. It's it's very intense. Um, And what do you mean coming for your your brand, your IP, your... Lots of different things. You know, people will try to take advantage Mm -hmm. either, you know, commercially or in other ways. Um, You know, people will come after you legally, especially in the US, like it's very common. Um, And, you know, then you have to deal with like team things and employment issues. And Mm -hmm. um, it's those things that are like not the sexy parts of the business that you kind of get like... you struck by a truck and you're like, oh, this is what it means when they say it's hard. It's a very uncomfortable things. Um, and it's things that, yeah, can really like, it can be paralyzing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, how do people do this? How do people get through this stuff? Um, Oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, the ones where you feel physically sick or are sick. Yep. Yep. I remember a really difficult situation in my old job, which legally I can't talk about, but Mm. um, I threw up. Yeah. The moment it started to happen, Mm -hmm. I was, my body became so overwhelmed with Mm. fear Mm -hmm. that it, I just projectile vomited like as a, I guess, what is that a, that's not even a fight or flight. That's just kind of a like purge. (laughs) Yeah, um, the purge. But I really value you saying that because um, 
you know, so what, so much of what I teach for leaders stepping up into or, or people stepping up into leadership positions is a readying and a steadying in the body mm, yeah. and in the emotional state and the mind. And this idea of, um, we need to go into this not being ever surprised. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you about some things that are going to happen. Yeah. They might happen tomorrow. They might happen in 10 years, mm. but they're going to happen. And so we want to start to feel into what that might feel like now so that when it does, you're not in the cubicle like I was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the readying and steadying and knowing that no one will be exempt. Yep. Exactly. You can be hopeful, but you won't be exempt. Yeah, I think there is a bit of that Mm. and probably definitely what I felt too was like, no, not not for my business. Mm. (laughs) But nobody is exempt. Mm. And, you know, I've had that feedback as well from, you know, other founders. And I think that that's super important too is like being able to be in conversation with people who are at either the same stage as you or just a little bit further ahead who can tell you, no, that's normal, that yeah, you are not exempt. This is going to happen to mm-hmm. you as well. <laughs> um, this could be kind of like a gross generalization. And maybe because I'm not as deep in it as you are, I don't have the accurate information today. But I have found in Australia, and particularly Sydney, that founder to founder conversation is very um, uncommon mm. around that uh, really critical stuff. Yeah. Especially as it relates to the financial viability or success of a business, what yeah. people are actually moving through on the finance side yep. versus what we're seeing on the outside. Has that felt true for you in that the US just has that sense of advocacy for each other. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a really good point because, yeah, I would find that most of the conversations that I have, especially the ones that are like super transparent, are with US-based founders. Mm. So it's probably also, you know, a slightly cultural thing where we keep things pretty close to the chest we in do. Australia. We like really we really do. do. Um, and it can be, yeah, very surface. And there's a lot of, um, I would say... Uh, there's just a lack of sharing. Really, and, there I, is. and I really find that, yeah, with founders in, in the US and, and peers in the US, it's, yeah, here's this supply for this or here's the financial person I spoke to this. or Which is the sort of information that can take you years exactly. to acquire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That if you get it yep. from somebody, yep. they are really giving you such a... Acceleration, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think maybe it's size of population, size of market here in the sense of it is quite competitive. Yeah. That there's room for all of us, but is there? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I think, definitely that undertone. Although in, I guess, kind of yeah, the the comp it's a weird one because the competition in the US is far more fierce mm. because there's just so much going on all the time and people see it as the big opportunity and it's big population and all of those things. Um, but there's also more opportunity mm-hmm. and so people are more willing to share. Um, and there's definitely more of a like celebratory culture around you did this amazing thing, like good on you or that's amazing. Whereas here it is that you know I th- I don't recall if we spoke about this on the last episode, but the tall poppy syndrome is mm, alive and well. Actually, yeah. And I think that it it probably permeates into that. It's mm-hmm. like it's not just about, you know, not speaking about yourself or celebrating yourself. It is also kind of making it a little bit more competitive mm-hmm. and, yeah, kind of bringing on that lack of sharing and that lack mm-hmm. of a willingness to be open about things um, because there is a fear of failing or of giving that opportunity to somebody, somebody else, else. Mm. that you've worked so hard for and you've invested all this money in and why yep. would I 
give it to you. Give yeah. it to you. Yeah. Have you been surprised um, in your success and who's reached out here off the back of that? Do you know what I mean? Like say mm. you were starting to build it here and whether you were getting yeses or nos for doors opening or people giving you advice, but now on the flip side of them seeing that international success, has it surprised you who's landed in your DMs and your inbox seeking support or advice or even just a congratulations? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely had a few of those. Um, But to be honest, I'm so, like, I I feel very, like, detached from a lot of things. Mm. In this market? No, not necessarily in this market, just in general. And so I think about it for, like, one minute and then I move on. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I couldn't even, like, say who or what, but I know it's definitely happened. Um, And... Yeah, I don't know. You know, when sometimes you think about it and you're like, wow, vengeance would be sweet. And then it happens, you're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm too busy for this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you were episode 33. Oh, wow. Of Offline. And now you'll be episode 109. Wow. Lots of threes. and Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's our third year now mm-hmm. launching. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have an angel <laughs> number in the room. <laughs> Um, so a lot has happened in the four years since we recorded. You had just, or we were just saying you had just finished mm-hmm. the Sephora Accelerate program, but I believe you were yet to speak to investors. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. So talk to us about um, what happened. What was the next step out of Accelerate? Was there introductions to investors through that program? Was that the kind of initial step out to say, okay, yeah. I'm not going to bootstrap, I'm going to raise money? Yeah, it actually happened pretty quickly from that point onwards. So when we spoke, I had been kind of very loosely making connections with investors in the US or with people that I knew. Um, and I wasn't doing the fundraising process like I know you now how it should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of, yeah, it was very loose and, you know, informal and there was no deadlines and that kind of thing, which I obviously know now is not how you go about it. And so I think at the time I was probably thinking, why isn't this working? So <laughs> <laughs> like, it works. Um, but, you know, very luckily as part of that Accelerate program, we had the demo day, which would have been a couple of months after we spoke. Um, And that was kind of a moment to present the brand and to ask for investment or just kind of like kick off that proper investment process with, you know, almost a hundred investors in the room. Mm. Um, And, you know, it was really fortunate because having that seal of approval from Sephora and them really giving us that kind of like you know, show of proof, like, yes, this is a brand that's in our program and we trust and believe in them. Um, it just gets you over so many hurdles mm. in terms of that first conversation with an investor. Mm. And really interestingly, though, for some reason, I thought, no, I'm going to go home straight after Accelerate. I was kind of over it at that point. I thought the investment process isn't really working. Like maybe I'll get some meetings, but no, I'll book my flight for the next day. Um, And then I had like a week worth of meetings after that. So I ended up having to change my flight. Um, And one of the introductions that was made from a later stage investor um, at that conference ended up being our lead investor for our um, pre-seed round. And that happened in February. So demo day was, I think, November, um, and then we basically closed the round by Feb. And so, so that is took, fast. That's fast. Yeah. 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 For a pre-stage company, for 
a foreign founder as well um, for, you know, a brand that I didn't even have a team yet. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, from that first intro through to closing the whole round with a lead investor, with multiple angels, all of those things, it was super fast. Whoa. And it was over the holidays as well. Everyone was like, this is a terrible time to raise money. I'm like, well, some people it's have happening. done it, so it's going to happen. <laughs> Did you have a key sort of CFO type support person at that time in the building of the pitch decks? Because part of what I want to get under and so many of the questions I get in my own kind of coaching and mentoring is how do you know how much Mm. you're going to need? Yeah. So you being that kind of lead creative and brand builder, Mm -hmm. did you have that gap on the finances side and need to plug that in? Yeah, we did have a gap there um, and we ended up working with a couple of different um, accounting firms to kind of build out what that initial um, like financial projection looked like and how much we would need. But a lot of it at that stage when you're pre-launch, it's like, yeah. It's, I'm like fingering the yeah. air right now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is guesswork but strategic guesswork. It's mm. like, okay, you know, what have other brands done at our size? You know, we know what kind of distribution we're going into. So what did that look like for other brands that did pre-seed? Mm-hmm. Did they raise enough? Did they, you know, not raise a lot? And you get a lot of guidance as well from investors too. So investors that have invested in brands like us before and they'll go, actually, no, that's not enough. And I think initially we were trying to raise like 500K, mm. which to launch in Sephora, if you're doing a fundraise, everyone was like, you might as well raise more because yeah. you're going to have to go through the exact same process. It's going to take probably just just as long. Mm -hmm. Um, You still need to have everything in place. Yeah. So you might as well just try to raise more. Um, And so we ended up doing 2. I want to say 2.5 in our first round, Mm -hmm. I believe, Um, which is, you know, pretty relatively common for a pre-launch brand that has confirmed distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, But it varies. Some brands raise a lot more. Some brands raise a lot less, especially if they're just going online first. Um, But we knew that that was kind of the sweet spot for us, Mm. which was like just enough um, to get us through to the next stage. Yeah, to be able to prove it's success. Mm. Am I right in thinking that you were quite single-minded about the idea of Sephora and being in a retail, like this was never a DTC brand, mm-hmm. a DTC brand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You never had that vision of... No, no. No. And some initial people that I spoke with um, when I was going through that kind of looser investment process um, definitely encouraged it as like a, why don't you start on D2C and build then the community build it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, for what we're trying to do and who we're trying to speak to and the gaps we're trying to fill, it doesn't make sense. Mm. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to be a retail brand. We want to exist in the spaces where more of the shopper is going or more of the shopper wants to go but can't find what they need. Mm-hmm, when they and get so, there. Yeah, it was, that was the strategy. It was never about, well, D2C is dying and everyone wants to get into retail. It wasn't that at all. Mm. Like at that time, D2C was thriving. Thriving. Um, It was very much about what is this brand and Mm. who are we trying to serve? And then what is the distribution that matches that look like Mm -hmm. versus anything else? Mm -hmm. Um, Like so many successful brands, bread obviously looked like an overnight success from the outside. And you know this, (laughs) like, because you saw it happen with other companies and then you get to understand kind of what went into it. But it was very, very many years in the making. And I wanted you to talk to us about 
and this is relevant to what you and I were speaking about with my own business before we started recording, the patience and persistence required to found and scale what is like essentially a values-led business and Mm, brand. Yeah. Talk to us about that of like at what points have you had to go like hang in there and knowing that this is a long game? Mm. Yeah, I would say that 2022 was definitely a big year of that. That was the most, I mean, we launched in the middle of a pandemic, but Mm. 2022 felt like the most tumultuous year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's saying something about something. Um, I mean, it's always been hectic, but um, I would say that 2022 really, it actually really felt like a do or die for bread. It was like, are we going to get through this or are we not? Because we're watching like all of our peers like close around us and, you know, retail was tricky, like online was tricky, supply was really tricky. Like we were still seeing a lot of the effects from the supply chain disruptions that we had through COVID. Um, And the fundraising market was just like dead in the water. Mm. It was like we'd done fundraisers before and, you know, like that first one that closed out super quickly, the second one closed out relatively quickly, and then it was like nobody wanted to invest in anybody. Was that just um, no trust in the market at that point? Yeah. We just need to wait and see what happens? 100%. Yeah. It was like we're in a recession, no money is getting funneled into like brands that are still in that stage of finding mm. product market fit, which although it looks like we're this huge brand that is like, you know, mm-hmm. really like struck the chord and all of those things, we're still trying to find our product market fit. Like that's where we are. Um, and that is like the, the potential of the brand is like ginormous, but we're still in that phase of like, mm. you know, when we speak to investors, we're still a startup. Um, and so nobody wanted to invest in brands like that. Mm. Everyone wanted to invest in like the sure, absolute 100% sure bets that everything was lined up, everything was done, and it was just like an, an additional infusion. Um, so that was really, really tricky. Um, and I think that, yeah, I feel it, it happened pretty fast. It was like that whole year was an, a, blur. a blur. And now we're in 2023 and like I already feel just like a huge weight lifted. It was like, yeah, like... Was it like 2022, I'm so close. Mm. I'm not, it's not that I'm going to touch it. I'm touching it. Yeah. I'm in the texture of it. Yeah. But is this thing going to be pulled out right from out other from me before me. I realise it's yeah. potential? Yeah. yeah, 100%. And I definitely went over that. And I think every founder has at some point, um, especially last year, mm. <laughs> gone over, right, what does it look like if this doesn't exist? What happens then? Mm. Um, Did you go there seriously in your mind or not really? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Mm. Yep. Definitely spent like at least a couple of weeks like, all right, what what are we going to do? Um, and, you know, I think I just got to the point where I was like, no, I can't let it die. Mm. It's just not going to happen. Um and yeah, luckily we got through it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely had to make a very, I would say, um, uh, a very deliberate choice of no, not happening. This is what it looks like if it happens and can't can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't let it happen. So that's a full body, mind, spirit yep. decision. Yep. It's not hearts in, but mine's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was like that a bit. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, you have to make a choice. 
it is this or it is that and you got to go. Mm. Yeah. Um, I can imagine this was probably around the time also where when you think about your support team and the people that you're employing to help you mm. thoughtfully scale this brand, yeah. um, this is the time where you're really experiencing um, who is built mm-hmm. for the work mm-hmm. and who isn't, who thought they might have been, yep. but in the reality and the living of it realises that perhaps yeah. it's not the right fit for them. We know that working in a startup, being a founder, sure, but supporting founders takes a level of emotional resilience, I suppose a healthy um, appetite for risk and yeah. being constantly on the edge mm. of are we going to make it or, yeah. or not, but never never losing sight of the vision and the dream of kind of what we're moving towards. Mm. Do you think that that is innate in people, in your experience now hiring people, or do mm-hmm. you think you can teach that sort of startup, I don't know what is that, tenacity mm. and like yeah. thrill of like, but this is it. Mm. You have yeah. to want it this way. Yeah. Um, I am going to say, and I actually believe this 100% that it's innate. Mm. I don't think you can teach it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, mm. uh, which is a hard realization, I think, um, for everyone, for, for people building businesses, but then also the people on the other side. I think that it is just, it's got to be in you. But I, I do also think that some people go through seasons as well. Mm. So, although it's innate, sometimes people are in a point in their career where they want to be doing it or they want to be on, you know, they want to be having a break from it. Um, but it's built in you. It, mm. it just is. It's just a different type of, um, it's just a different way of working. Yeah. It's not thinking about work like I'm going to have this job and I'm going to make money and then I'm going to spend that money on things that I like to do. That is very different from someone who wants to do work because they want to do work. Mm. And it can still be about money. Like mm. it's not like discounting the fact that money makes the world go round. Um, it's, it's about being a part of something. That means something hopefully, but like being a part of something. Yeah. And I think for me, and I'm like projecting this onto other people, but I think for me, the way I think about it is if life is just about doing a job where you make money to do things that you do during the time that you're not working, that to me is soul crushing. <laughs> mm, that's big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is because I'm like, why would I spend the majority of my time doing something that I'm just kind of plugging away? I'm just doing the motion. Like you're a robot. Mm. Like, yep, put this thing in, pull this thing out, press this button and then get money and then go do your thing. That for me, I can't, Mm. I can't, and I can't allow my brain to say, yeah, that's what your life is. That's what life is about. And so I kind of have to marry them. I'm like, my work is my life. Mm. Like that is my life's work. The thing that I'm doing every single day that I have to spend most of my hours doing has to be like my life. Do you know mm. what I mean? I can't separate oh, this them. Is like <laughs> massive because you are like straight up challenging my whole methodology. Right. In the saying of really, it. Yeah. But this is vital. Right. 
I reckon, because we need both mm. sides. We need both types of people yeah. who have these very different belief systems mm-hmm. and then it's a joining of that. It's mm-hmm. a, okay, it's this way. Mm-hmm. These are the people that I need to be surrounding myself by, looking up to, looking towards, mm. because they believe ultimately the same thing that <clears throat> I do and what I feel in my body. Yeah. And so from my side where I'm sitting is saying, you know, a teacher recently taught inside my space to choose the economy you're operating in. Mm. So there is the financial economy, the money economy, there's a love economy, there's a purpose economy, you know, there's a family economy. And so when you stare down the kind of shape and pace of your life, it's the choosing of, well, where will I be giving my energy to? Who will Mm. I be serving in that? And where does money Mm-hmm. play? Like what role does money play, I suppose, in that? And so this is really fascinating for me because we were saying before we started recording, like we're in our little echo chambers, mm-hmm. aren't we? Yeah. Of like this is what I think, this is what I believe. Yeah. And it's so vital for us to yeah. get in front of people like you're someone I respect entirely. When you said that, I was lit up in the body. Really? I was like, hold on. <laughs> That's not what <laughs> we think, Alison. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel a certain way when she says that? She's speaking the truth. <laughs> You know? Right. So important, I think, just to like hear the other side. But so much of what I'm moving through with my own community is what role does our work play in the overall storyline of our life? Right. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing from you is you have a very conscious, um, it's a a full awareness of Mm. the role it plays Mm. in your life. Where it gets dangerous, and I think really where my methodology is, is when we don't, when we haven't decided. Yeah. Exactly. And we're in that mm-hmm. storm mm-hmm. of overextension, yep. overwork, giving to something yep. that perhaps we don't really believe in yeah. and moving into that kind of world. of. But yeah, I think most burnout. people are in there. Like 100%. That's where most yeah. people I think exist. you are like the 1% of no. people who, <laughs> but you know, that, yeah. um, that, that that's like a soul driving force within you. That's like yeah. the soul journey. Yeah. You know why mm. you're here and you know the shape of, this story for you. Right. But yeah, I think where it's so challenging is when you're like, hold on, mm. whose version of success is this? Did I choose this? Right. How did I get here? Yeah. You know, exactly. so you know what yours is. And that is what I call professional peace. Oh, love when that. you're not like <laughs> questioning. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Why am I working on a Saturday? Why am I, you, you know, know, why am I so bored sitting here at four o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. So that was very rich for me. Thank you. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the importance of timing mm. to the success of your particular brand, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of founders out there with incredible ideas. Mm. Jeannie Burke, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She was my first yes, guest. Yes, yes. Um, the OG healer. Yeah. She said on a recent episode that so often when our ideas and our creativity is channeled, we're early. Mm. But that doesn't mean we're wrong yep. or the idea is wrong. Yep. And sometimes it's just about timing. So she said there's stuff that she's launched, say, product-wise and ex- like service-wise, so for treatments, that five years ago flopped. Nobody was interested. Mm. And then she's like, and then I just bring it back five years later. <laughs> and it's the most successful thing I launched that year. Yeah. This is really fascinating. There's so much we leave behind thinking we failed yeah. just because the timing wasn't quite right. Yeah. So when I talk about timing, 
what comes up for you and and how do you think about that within your own brand? Yeah, I'm a big believer in what you said, which is that sometimes something fails because it's the wrong time. It wasn't the wrong thing. It was just the wrong time. And I think there's so many examples of companies that are like that. And you mm. look at some of the ones that launched in like 2002 that flopped that would do so well now. now. Um, I even think... And, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but there was something about like, even with TikTok, like it was ByteDance mm. and then there was, remember Vine? Musical.ly? Wasn't it Musical.ly Musical.ly, yes. Was it Musical.ly first? I, I think know. it was. And that, I guess, kind of flopped because it wasn't a TikTok, but it was kind of still around and then it just evolved and obviously the timing became so crucial. Um, mm. So I definitely believe in that. Um, I don't know if I have an answer for whether I think our timing was correct. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> yeah. we're not at the end of the story. That's right. To be like, so, well, it was the right time, right place. Because you're like. So I have no idea because yeah. at the same time, like in terms of market movement and changes, I think it was the right time. However, and this is quite funny because in our last episode, I said, yeah, we're going to launch in about six to nine months, but you never know what kind of spanner can get thrown in the works. And that spanner happened to be a global pandemic. (laughs) So that was interesting because like on the one hand, I'm like, no, I think the timing was right based on the market. But I don't, I can't quite answer yet if the timing was right based on everything else around it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So in other interviews you've done, I actually did do a little bit of, I was like, she's done a lot of interviews since we spoke. Like I'm going to see like what she's been out talking about. But you've spoken a lot about the importance of people Mm -hmm. and that who you know and who knows you Mm -hmm. is really the secret to um, success but scale. Yeah. You said, and I quote you, when you'll be like, fuck, what did I say? (laughs) What did I say that day when I hadn't slept? (laughs) Every opportunity is attached to a person. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. So this um, was also really activating in my, in the bod for me, Mm. because I do think, you know, you will have heard that um, direct-to-consumer is dying narrative well before we have here. So it's still kind of an early-ish conversation that we're having here at the moment. And so relative to the founders and sort of brand builders here is um, we, the narrative that we've been kind of running against for a long time is that if you build the community, Mm. you can create the brand and Mm. that's the through way to kind of um, success. What's not kind of captured in that, I guess, is the role of the network. Mm. So we're not talking about that here, I believe. I mean, I'm not in every single founder space, but it seems to be still this idea of cultivating community, understanding the need of the community and then building the product for them, selling directly to them and taking that kind of middleman out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we're not talking about is the power of the network and the importance of networking. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about that because you have been, in my opinion, relatively bold Mm. in your approach to to networking and making sure that you know people and people know you. Yeah. Um, I actually, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I kind of distinctly remember the moment where I realized I had to build a network. Um, and I was in university and I remember going to like a little conference or something, like a little event. And I was like, okay, what's the key to success? Uh, I'm going to find out today. Um, <laughs> and I remember someone talking about networking because that's what everybody talks about at, you know, 
events like that, it's like, yes, you have to network and blah, blah, blah. But like, what does that what really does that mean? mean? Yes. Um, and you have to get a mentor and like all of these things. And like, I mean, I remember back then feeling like very formulaic about it. I'm like, okay, network, network. tick, Find get a mentor. mentor, tick. Um, <laughs> but I remember having this thought in my mind around networking and inequality because some people are born with a network. Some people are born into wealthy families or they're born into situations where that network is kind of built up around them as they're growing up and so they don't have to spend as much time or think about it as much, right? It's kind of handed to them. put themselves out. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. or like Nepo babies. It's Mm. like kind of, you know, you're built into a network. Um, And I remember thinking like, oh, okay, that's how the world works is some people have it and some people don't. And I don't. I don't have a network. And so I thought, well, if we're saying that that's how, you know, if if every opportunity is connected to a person and this is so crucial and I don't have one, I can either be sad about it or I can build one. Mm. And so I think that's probably where the boldness comes from around like, well, this is the thing. I'm starting here. And so that means I still have to do this portion that someone someone else is starting here and yeah. they don't have to do that part. But that's kind of, that is what it is. Mm. That is where I'm starting from. That's where we are. And so what do I want to do about it? Yes. <laughs> it's like I'm going to have to go from one to two mm. rather than someone else who's, at you know, going from four to five. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I can change about that. That's mm. life, you know. Um, so I think that that's where the boldness comes from. Mm. It's just like knowing that and then making an active decision around how to move through that mm-hmm. and like move to the next stage, knowing that there's a particular point that I'm starting from that, you know, maybe other people are further ahead, but um, it's the reality. This is the next necessary yeah. step. Yeah. And this is where we got to get it on the record that that decision, that boldness to build that network is the reason you got into the Sephora Accelerate program mm-hmm. in you, I believe we're at a, an event in LA. Yep. You saw a Sephora VP, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Approached. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> this person's. You're thinking they're going to be like, awkward. oh god. It's very Here's awkward. another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you asked for an introduction. Yeah. To one of their. Yeah. Hair care buyers. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. I didn't even ask for an introduction. I just asked her what she would do. Um, what would the next step be? And so you're you got to. I've got this idea. Yep. Yeah. 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 I said, I'm working on this brand. Um, I really think it should launch in Sephora. What advice do you have for me for what the next step would be? What would you do? And she was like, oh, well, I'll connect you to the hair care buyer. And so like, okay. I was like, yeah, cool. Great. Dinner first. Okay. See ya. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that like knowing what to ask and like how to frame things did come from years of understanding how to like connect with people in order to build network. Um, It can be, uh, I don't know, I I kind of find it fun. Like I like connecting with people and I like kind of, you know, finding that through way of like, okay, here's what I know I really need to ask this person, but how do I do this in a way where it's genuine one and two like you're actually connecting with the person versus just like oh hi you're this person and I need this can you give it to me Mm -hmm. um that's the like the uh, sweet what do you call it yeah it's it's like the and I think that that is probably more felt Mm. 
than we give it credit for. Yeah. Because you can give as many lines and scripts as you like. Yeah. How it comes out of somebody's mouth, the yeah. shape of, you know, their body language at that time, the, yeah. the tone of their voice, yeah. the eye contact. It's so much, isn't it? In it that. is. I talk so much about this mirror work, which can sound really woo-woo, right? You're like, oh, my God, talking to myself in the mirror. Yeah. But before events like this, if you want to be Mavo and be bold, it's so helpful just mm-hmm. to start talking to yourself mm-hmm. and just see how do I look? Yeah. How am I standing? How do I sound? Yep. What's my inflection like? And am I giving them direct eye contact? Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to witness ourselves yeah. before we place ourselves in those situations. And then it's kind of rehearsed in a way that yeah. it's still going to feel true. Yeah. But you're not going to be like essentially cold calling in person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. And it it can be like super awkward, mm. especially when like you do it to yourself or with yourself. Um it can be, it kind of reminds me of like being in an improv class and it's like, this is so embarrassing and I don't want to do it. But you kind of, you have to and you get used to it after a while. Yeah. Um, and it really helps. Like I get very anxious, but when I do those things and I'm like, I'm prepared, I know what I'm saying. And, I know you what know, I want to ask. Ha- yeah, exactly. Like it just takes it all away. It. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work. Like, you know, That's sometimes right. you connect with someone and you're like, oh, I can't wait to connect with this person. And then you meet them in person and you're like, oh, a bit mm-hmm. odd. Um <laughs> You know, and the lines don't cross. It just doesn't, there's no, you know, like synergy or there's just like no energy. Um, And that's totally normal too. Like that's so normal. Um, So if you ever do get, you know, that courage to be bold and like connect with this person that you've been really wanting to connect with and it doesn't quite go how you expected, um, just know that that's also really, really normal. Yes, I love that. And Mm. that doesn't mean you shouldn't not do it again. Try again, yeah, 100%. Because one's going to land. Yes, yeah. Or multiples will land. Exactly. And so for you, that landing was that connection yeah. to the buyer yeah. who then received your, what I'm guessing was a very early kind of yes. brand deck. PowerPoint. Yeah, yep. PowerPoint. Beautiful. <laughs> Which would have been knowing you. I always told you that, Lady Brain's deck. I was like, I'm fucking impressed. And I sent it to the team. I was like, this needs to be more like what we need to be doing. <laughs> How we present our brand. Yeah. So knowing you, it would have been... You know, but this is the um, the democratization of this sort of information now, as well as very compelling because you've got sites like Canva, yes, that are pre building. Mm-hmm. Um, if you search Pitch Deck, mm. there will be one. There's also a website called Oh God, I'm going to get it wrong. I will link it in the show notes. I got served it on TikTok. Mm. <laughs> I want to say it's like brandstyleguides.com. Oh, and. If that's wrong, check the notes. (laughs) Um, But you can find and download many, many, many brand decks from big brands all over the world. I wonder if ours is on there. (laughs) I don't even know how they get on there, to be honest. And you have to sign up, but it's free. So whether that's just they're selling your data somewhere else, props. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, you know, there's always the, pay- the payoff, what you're willing to give. Yeah. There's some really interesting ones on there and really recent ones, yep. 22, 20, 23, um, where you can see what really big brands are kind of presenting mm. internally. And I think well. that's great for people who are non-creative but have like they have other sweet spots mm-hmm. because it is – it's not always important but I think – usually it's pretty important or it at least gets you some extra points and extra like, you know, cut through if you do have a really well-designed, like whatever it is you're pitching, like well-designed story or whatever it is, um, gets people's attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And for the person on the receiving end, 
it's an immediate indication of essentially if it's worth your time or not, mm. whether yeah. to spend time there yeah. or not. So you sent it across to the buyer. Yep. And you I have, keep forgetting we never had this conversation. No, no, we never had this conversation. The this has not happened. <laughs> so I'm finding all this out going, oh, my God, this is what happened and this is what happened. Yeah. Um, but we'll tell this story here because um, it's really important for people to hear what it took and yeah. what it takes mm. when we don't romanticise it. Mm. Um, you then booked a plane ticket to San Fran without a meeting mm-hmm. in the hopes yep. that this buyer might receive the deck, read it, mm-hmm. and want to meet with you. Yeah. And they did. Yes. In the end. But yep. you booked that ticket. Yeah, well, I told meeting. a white lie and said, I'm going to be there. So oh, nice. <laughs> just to get the urgency mm-hmm. going because yeah. it's like, okay, you're going to give me the card to send the deck and then maybe I won't here for two weeks or I won't here for a month. And so I think also just like trying to leverage little things like that where it's like, and obviously the situation can be different. But for me, it was like, I'm a foreign person. I'm not, I'm just here for a limited amount of time. I'm going to be there. So like, let's get it going like faster. Mm. Um, and so. White lies in the name of evolution. These are fine. Yeah. And yeah. you know, in the end it wasn't because I did really book a ticket to go. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually took a bus to be honest. I definitely took a bus either there or back at like midnight and people were very concerned for me. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, yeah, I'm taking the Greyhound at midnight. They were like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. It was fine. Um, but, yeah, I um, I asked for, the, you know, her advice and she gave me the card and said, yeah, send me your deck and I'll, I'll get it over to her. And I remember thinking, like, I was prepared, but I was also like, I, actually, I, I wasn't prepared for that, like, directly to the buyer. And so I went back and I made more edits to the deck. Mm. I'm like, okay, i got to get everything in here. i got to make sure it's exactly what I want it to be. Um, and then 24 hours later, I sent it. Um, and then I booked my ticket and I left and I just kind of went to SF and, you know, caught up with some other people that I had known as well that I'd um, connected with previously. Uh, and then I got an email on the Monday um, saying, yep, do you want to meet while you're in town? I've got 15 minutes tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was planning to go back that Monday evening already. Um, and so I ended up having to move my flights around. Um, and yeah, I met with that buyer. Um, well, first talk to us about how do you think about um, influencing in 15 minutes? Mm. If you're going in saying this person's already given me the time of day to actually read the deck, actually. So they already know what's in it. Yeah. So how am I going to use my 15 minutes? Was that something you thought deeply about or you thought I'm just going to go and know that I'm going to respond in the moment? I actually can't remember. Mm. Um, I Can you tell I overthink things? (laughs) (laughs) I, I guarantee I was overthinking it at the time because I do remember sitting there and like getting prepared in my corner of the coffee shop. Like, okay, I've got my thing. I've got this thing here. Um, and I believe I had prepared the deck. So I was going to take her through the deck and really give it like the color and the narration. And like, this is, you know, what we're talking about here. Um, and so I definitely prepared for that. And I do, I think I do remember thinking like, you got to get this done in 15 minutes. Like you've really got to nail each of these specific points. Um, but then I also think that yeah, sometimes when I'm like in the moment and I'm under pressure, I know that I'll just pull it out. Yeah. 
Um, doesn't always happen, <laughs> but sometimes you just have to like have the faith that mm. like, yeah, you're going to pull it out. You know what you're doing um, and it'll it'll come to you in the moment. Mm. Yeah. So when you sat down, did she want to go through the deck or she just wanted to talk to you, just wanted to meet you? She was happy for me to lead like where we were going. Um, and then, you know, got, got to the end of it and it was just super conversive and it was like, yep. Um, is conversive a word? Did mm. I just make that up? Conversational. Conversational. <laughs> <laughs> Notice me, I didn't, I did not blink an eye. I was like, <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> You're like, yes, conversing. Uh, it was very conversational. Conversing. Yeah, we were conversing. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a word. Okay. Um, just about the detail and, you know, it was very apparent that they really aligned with what we were seeing in the market. And what the insights were were aligned to what they were seeing too, um, and so I think that meeting ended up going for like an hour and a half. In the yeah, end, well. um, which was which was really great. And then uh, it was interesting because another connection I'd made prior to this knew the program manager for the Sephora Accelerate program. So completely separately to this connection that I'd right. made. That person also introduced me to the program manager who also was like, I can meet you on Tuesday. And so I had the meetings back to back. Literally the first one was at nine with the program manager and then 10 o'clock with the buyer. Wow. Um, And they didn't even cross paths. And I remember speaking to the um, uh, program manager and they were like, well, I can take your samples and show them to the merchant. I was like, well, I'm actually meeting the merchant after (laughs) our meeting. And they were like, oh, wow, okay. Um, So it was just a really nice, like everything kind of lined up really, really well. Um, But that was a culmination of, as you say, like the preparation around going to this conference, knowing that I wanted to meet this person, knowing that I wanted to make that connection, having the connection prior from, I want to say two years, two and a half years before that, who happened to be someone that was based in San Francisco, who was in the mix. And so they knew who the program manager was and Mm. was able to make that connection. Um, And I think that something that nobody really taught me, but that I kind of figured out along the way of making connections and building a network is that it's not always directly what's in front of you, right? It's like, just make the connections because the energy is there or there's like a, a great spark there. You don't know where it's going to go, but maybe they need help yes. with something that you can help out with or you can connect them to someone. You have no idea how that might come back around in a year, in two years, in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't always have to be super direct, like meet this Sephora VP. Results orientated. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And that's generally how it works. It's like it's not about you know, that immediate thing in that time that you're there. It's like, it's just building these relationships. Sincerely. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. If it's not, it just doesn't, it's not. And they know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They know. And I think anyone who has demand to be connected with, is that right? Anyone who people like, you should connect with so-and-so. Obviously Mm. that's always someone who's going to have a lot of people in their inbox Mm -hmm. or their DMs saying, hey, so-and-so said I should connect with you. Mm. You can smell the insincerity straight away, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's a tone thing as well of just like, oh, yeah, the intention being I'm just building my network. Yeah. Knowing that it's all tools in the toolkit. Yeah. You know. And I'm on the other side of that now where people connect with me and it is so interesting to see because you 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 know yourself like immediately oh yeah i'm going to help that person 
Just 100%. in the tone, in the sincerity, like in all of the ways that they try to connect with you. And sometimes it's like you connect and then it's like six months later or a year later, you're like, oh, remember that person? Oh my God, I'm going to connect them with this thing. Or they mentioned that they had this thing they were struggling with. And now like this solution has come across, mm-hmm. you know, my inbox or something. Let me connect them. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird mm-hmm. being on the other side, other side. Of it now, And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I have a few more questions for you before we finish. Yeah. Um, and this really stems from like talking to a lot of founders who are also not interested in bootstrapping mm-hmm. and want to go straight into raising money to launch their businesses. Um, what have you learned investors are ultimately looking for in that initial pitch deck? Like I'm sure there's many non-negotiables, but what do they really want to see? Because I guess it's that piece on are they buying into the idea or are they truly, as we've heard, buying into the the person who has the idea? Um, it's definitely both. And it's kind of weird because now I feel like my advice is redundant <laughs> because the market has changed, changed so much. That's so interesting. And so what we had it probably wouldn't be enough now. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like it's gotten the bar has been risen. Because there's so many brands coming in. Yes, so many brands, but then also the market landscape. One, so many brands, so it's a lot more competitive. And two, you know, we're still in this kind of weird, murky kind of recession, not recession, Um, inflation, like all of those things. It is making it more difficult, especially for brands that are competing against companies that have hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars in funding to kind of ride the wave. Um, And so the bar has been lifted really, really high. And it actually, it has become even more about who you know, mm-hmm. which sucks because, you know, as we kind of spoke about before, some people are at level one and some p- people are at level four. But I think in the the rounds that we've done, it's become more and more apparent that you can have 50% of the business stuff and 100% connection mm. and get across the line. Yeah. You can have 100% of the business stuff and maybe 20% connection and you're not going to get there with the exact same idea, business model, everything. Like people want to invest in people that they know and that they can trust because a lot of it is about trust. And Mm. so you either have to really quickly build trust and rapport or you have to already have it. Mm. Um, And, you know, the former takes longer. And yeah. sometimes you don't have the time, you know, especially if, if it's in a fundraise and you have like a launch date and all of those things. So um, that's terrible, like not positive advice, but I think. It just that, lands us in the reality. Yeah, that's the reality. And I think that, you know, give yourself way longer than you think you need, especially if you do need the time to build the relationships and the trust. Um, and then in terms of more practical advice, I would say that one, they want to see that you've really fleshed out the strategy. So it's like, okay, this is a, you know, everyone can have a great idea, but what does this look like when you go to market? What Mm. is the, you know, what's the research that you've done about that particular customer? How are you going to reach that particular customer? And what does that roll out like? What is the distribution plan? This is all for like physical product, but um, what is the distribution plan? Is any of that locked in or is it all, you know, a wish and a prayer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they'll take that away and and just really assess the reality of it. And the reality is that if you fall short on one or multiple of those things, but they really, really like you, then you'll probably get across the line. Mm. If you fall short on a couple of those things and they're like, eh, about you, then you won't. 
And that's a really hard pill to swallow (laughs) because you're like, well, okay, they didn't like Mm. me. And that's okay. Like not everybody has to like you and has to believe in you. Some people will, some people won't. It doesn't mean you're not worth believing in. A hundred percent. That's the decision that they're making at the end of the day. Mm. And that also is very uncomfortable, especially when you're pitching people because you're like, are they going to like me? Yes, please love me. (laughs) Um, We're also interacting with people's consciousness Mm. and their own stories and their own beliefs and biases. And biases. You know, as it relates to being a woman of colour in the room. Yeah. And more, I I know. Um, So that's the other thing, isn't it, is we can't, like we are the expert on us. I teach this so much. Mm. It's very hard to believe that when somebody rejects you. Yep, yep. But um, you're just interacting with their stuff. It's two energies doing this dance. Yeah. And like you were talking about before, it's just about finding the ones where there's some sort of thread from your energy to theirs. Yeah. But if that's not there, that doesn't mean that the idea is not good, that you're not worthy mm-hmm. and that's the resilience, isn't it, and that sort of tenacity to go back again. Yep. Yeah. Even though that was a no. Yep. I'm and it's like there's another again. one and you know, <laughs> maybe that one's going to land. Um, it's really good advice. Yeah. Um, I've got a few more but what time are we at? Well, we're at an hour. So I'll give you Lovely. Um, your afternoon back. Um, I had like, okay, so three more questions. How on earth did you trademark the word bread or is that just the branding? Um, That is a really great question. No, it is trademarked um, in a few markets. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. That's a really difficult one. Well, I only (laughs) That is not the hard trademark. We have other, we have like strap lines and things that we've had issues with. Right. Bread was not the hard one. How expensive is trademarking? I've been going through it myself lately and I'm like... Oh, I don't know whether I would have embarked on it at this stage in my business had I known the total mm. investment. It can be a lot if you have issues. Yeah. So for us with some of our strap plans, you've had issues. And so the bills start to mount up when you're having to do responses and, you know, fill out forms and all of those things. Um, if it's relatively straightforward, you know, our US trademarks are like $900 mm. plus Lawyer some fees, fees so. around that. Um, and then Australia is around the same because we actually use, use our US attorney to do Australian trademarks as well. Um, so yeah, all up maybe like 1500, two grand. Yeah. It's straightforward. Straightforward. Yeah. Um, but actually, to be honest, now that I think about bread, it wasn't super straightforward in the US. Um, it was that we got rejected because someone had the trademark. It wasn't even nothing to do with bread, but they had the trademark, um, barn something and it was soaps and barn in another language means bread. Wow. Like barn me. Yeah. Um, and so they rejected it on that basis, which was ridiculous. Wow. Um, and so we actually had to wait for that to lapse before we could go register. Again. It's yeah. a whole world. Yeah. My unique challenge, well, it's not unique. That's why I asked you because like, if you're trademarking bread, why can't I trademark offline? Right. Well, yours but, is more descriptive. Well, this is This thing. is why we have an issue. And also, of course, I lines. got, apparently my trademark attorney is like, yeah, we got the hardest. Um, assessor? Assessor. I was like, mm. oh, that would be fucking right for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and just that, yeah, like this is a word in the kind of common 
vernacular and like you can't. So the cl- I have different classes, obviously, yeah. but I couldn't get like a lot of the ones that I wanted. So it's been a really expensive process, to be honest. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I think um, that is really unfortunate as well, that sometimes it comes down to an individual person's yes. take on it versus Because I was like, very... can I call him? She's like, it's not like that. I'm like, but I'm good on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, like, like if I too. speak to what him, what can we say? How do we pitch this? Get me in the room, and he'll love me, and then he'll be like, "You know what? Let's get offline. We'll connect. We'll have the energy." It's <laughs> and he'll be like, "Yeah, I know." Um, <clears throat> okay. Second last question. Um, I wanted to talk about the shape of your, and maybe you answered it in the "Life is work, work is life" mm. um, piece. The shape of your life today as you kind of really sit into that, how is that feeling, the reality of how you're living Mm -hmm. and what's required of you versus um, how you kind of, what you see for yourself in the future? Like what's the distance between here and what the, I don't know, the ideal Mm. scenario would look like? Yeah, this is a tricky one for me because I change my mind every day. Um, But also like over time you change your mind. Like, yeah, this is what I want for myself in 10 years. And then you get there and you're like, actually... That's not what I want right now. Um, So I think where I am now, I'm actually really enjoying, which is really cool because I don't think I've ever felt enjoyment on this level in the last three years of having this brand. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of that comes down to, um, I I don't know, it's like year three. I don't know if there's like a, a thing around just the energy of this year and the people that we have on our team, I think that it's also a nice, like, you know, when we have an idea about what we want to do and we put in a plan and then it happens, you're like, yeah, that feels great. Mm. And so one of those things is like now all of our team is based in the US, um, which has been, you know, it hasn't been too long, but it just feels really like game changing to be Mm. like, yeah, we said we were going to do that. And now we've done it. Done that. Yeah. So that's got to be rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. That feels really good. Um, And, you know, I think that, you know, I spend a lot of time with my partner. We're together like a a lot, like all the time. Like he does stuff with bread now, which is really nice. He's like, what more can I do? So I'm looping him in on stuff. And so everything is connected. Beautiful. Really, really well. And, you know, I'm in Perth for the time being, which is my family. yeah. Yeah. Whether there's a plan to move, of course there probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely plan. Um, And hopefully once that's ticked off, then it'll be like, nice. So we're going to do that. Now we've done it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I'm in a really, right now, nice state. Happy. Yeah, yeah. That's so encouraging Mm. and (laughs) just awesome, Mm. you know, to hear that the the balance feels like it's there. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, Tony and I... We are rubbish working together. Really? Oh, we suck. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I always think we're a bit of a dynamic duo, really. You've got me on the strategy and him. Yeah. Like, award-winning creative director. Um, and he built the offline brand yeah. and then had to graciously step away because he no wouldn't way. let me do anything with oh it. My and gosh. I was like, fuck your baseline grids, mate. I need Canva. <laughs> oh, um, no. But, yeah, we... We don't work well together because I guess earlier on in my career, I thought there'll probably be a day where we'll start a studio or like yeah. that will make a lot of sense. Yep. And then now increasingly we've been together 13 years, I'm like, we will never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and like you're saying, like you employing your partner in the business, I'm like, I will never do that. Like yeah. 
we just are. Are you too this, similar? What is it? <clears throat> this might be a nice opportunity for me to really run through this for myself <laughs> <laughs> as I need to engage creative support now. Mm. So you know when you have to pay for it, when you're like, yeah, but there's you're this like, whole but this guy. body in another room <laughs> who's doing it for somebody else. He knows else. what it is. And yeah. it, it could be free. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to put this on myself because I think that's the truth is I have a really hard time articulating my creative vision. Mm. Yep. And... I operate in this way that I know when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand and that. It's very frustrating for mm-hmm. him, who is a yeah, incredibly trained um art director who's yep. worked with a lot of rigor and process for a long time. Mm. And my ask is like, can you just keep moving things mm-hmm. and Until changing I see that? It. And then yep. I'll know. Yeah. Again, it'll I'll feel it in yep. my body and, and I'll know. And he just doesn't have a lot of patience for that. Yeah. Of course, also because anytime he's helped me, it's on top of his actual right, you right. Know, yeah. job. So um so that just creates this sense of um frustration. And I think also for him that I don't fully acknowledge and appreciate his talent mm. and skill and that he does his bit and I I'm the client, you yeah. know. Yeah, I think that's hard for creatives. It's like they don't want to be told that, mm. you know. Um, but I operate in the same way as you. I can't tell you what it looks like, but I'll know when I see it. <laughs> so is that about just finding a team of people who are willing to be in that texture with you of like it's not a deliberate act of trying to make you do more work. It's just that what I see in my mind, there's no reference, there's no mood board. Yeah. Yep. That is going to bring that to life. I just know. Yeah, there's no way to translate it often. Um, and maybe that's just a thing of like some creative people operate that way and some don't. I don't know. But yeah, what you said is exactly how I feel, which is you can't say it and articulate it, but you know when it's not there. And then sometimes you try to articulate it and then someone will execute it based on what you've said and you're like, that's, that's still not, not it. it. <laughs> So and I'm then like, I feel like am I such saying a rubbish it wrong? Person. Yeah, yeah. So I think now, um, and like my team now is like, and I'm so annoying. I'll be like, not not like that, just a little <laughs> bit like this. Um, but they know it's not about them mm. because it is a thing of like you just have to keep moving it. And like you say, it's finding people who understand that and are yeah. okay working in an environment like that where, you know, if you're in a creative role in the team, like you just kind of have to work through it. Um, But we do have a a really amazing um, one internal team, but then also external, like very limited number of external designers that we work with. Right now it's just two um, and one main one who works like that. One can translate the loosest briefs of maybe just do this thing and like, oh, just try that, whatever. But she's been working with us for, yeah, almost three years now and, it's She's probably like, pretty yeah, felt for no her problem. now. Yeah. Like she'll just get it done. Um, and then, you know, being so flexible around like my little annoying things of, mm. no, not quite like that. Or like, just do it like this. And she's like, yep, yep, yep. yep. Let me just do and, it. Yep. <laughs> she yeah. says, Tony, can you just give me the design file? He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, and we and we do that sometimes too. We're like, can you do this, but then also give me the working file? Because <laughs> you know. <laughs> I can imagine they're like, oh, God. I, I feel like the energy that I get is like, yeah, 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 yeah. this is how we work. But hopefully. <laughs> well, that know. was basically his, you know, when we decided to um, politely part ways <laughs> <laughs> on the on the business, uh, the professional front, um, that was his advice to me is you need to find support that is willing mm. to work that way with you. And I'm yes. yet to find that, to be honest. It's so hard. I honestly think creative 
is the absolute hardest role to hire for. Mm. 100%. If you're like me and you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this, if it's you, (laughs) dear listener, if something is activated in your body right now and you're like, I totally get it. Yes. Email me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to do it. Support at getoffline.co. <laughs> okay, final question. When we first recorded, I had a final question. And if I think you listened to that, but I don't know if you got all the way through. My final question used to be when you're sitting in your true self, who are you? Mm. The podcast beautifully over mm. 90 plus episodes, no, less than 80 plus episodes has evolved. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really focused on shining a light on emerging and different definitions of success Mm. and how our true self kind of intersects with and interacts with our work. So my question now is when you're sitting in your true self, in that essence part of you, how do you define success? And it sounds to me like you may actually be living it right now. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting observation because I, I feel like even in the past month, the past few weeks, when I'm in the moment of doing something, I'm like, this is what you said you wanted to do and you're in it doing it. And I've definitely had moments like that over the past couple of years, but I've never actually felt it. I'm like, yeah, this is what you said you wanted to do and now you're doing it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> In the head, in great. the head, in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Um, But I've actually felt it like more recently of like, oh, my God, like you're doing the thing. Remember when you said you were doing it? Yeah. Um, And so I think, yeah, what where I am right now in myself feels like success. It is like I think we're over that hump of like what's happening, what we're figuring out, like we're in year three and a lot of the initial things that I really wanted to do with the brand, which to me is my life, (laughs) um, we're doing now. Mm. And so that's why it feels really good because I'm like dreaming and wishing about these These things. Like I want the brand to do this or I want us to do that. Now we actually get to do them because we are so so much more settled. And that can be like the dumbest things that don't even matter, like getting like custom bum bags made. Yeah. You know, when you're like so in it and everything is Is discombobulated. Oh, that one I made myself, but we we actually got some (laughs) made professionally. Um, Custom totes. Mm. This is our first year we've ever made custom tote bags. Like the smallest things that, you know, things were just so up in the air and busy and here and there and we didn't even have time to think mm. about it or to do it. And also it. like that's not where we're spending the money right now. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. But honestly, it's not even that. Yeah. Like that's probably one of the least expensive things that's we've right. done. Yeah. And so it's just little things like that. Oh, I want to do a partnership with these people. The spaciousness doing it. to yep. be able to yes. fulfill that's those what it dreams. Is. It feels like space to do the things that you see in your head. Mm. You're like, how do we articulate this as a brand? How do we actually communicate what the brand is and the brand message and all of those things? Like how is that executed? And I feel like we're actually like in the phase of doing it. So. Mm. Bread is a lifestyle. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like what does that look What like? I heard in there also I think is maybe allowing yourself to feel the success because you've been basically in fight or flight for yeah. so many years, mm-hmm. isn't it? That yep. now you're like, oh, it's safe for me. Mm-hmm. 
to believe mm. because it's true mm-hmm. that I have a business and it will be a business yep. ongoing. Yeah. Whereas I think before it's that feeling, isn't it, of like, is it? Yeah. So we don't settle. I think that's what it is. What mm. is that after fight or flight when you don't have to do that anymore? What's that called? <laughs> um, is it settle? No, it's... um. Oh, God, everyone listening will be like, it's this. You know, when you're listening <laughs> yeah, to a podcast, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, God. <laughs> um, I know what it is. Like, right, I can see it, but I can't. Homos, hom- homostasis. Homostasis. Is that it? I think so. Maybe. If it is, <laughs> that's where I am. <laughs> homeostasis? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with that. Oh, God. <laughs> Should I cut this bit out? <laughs> Should we create <quickly> Google? <laughs> homeostasis. Homeostasis. That could that could potentially well, that be could be it. also like <laughs> what did you say before? Oh, con- <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> something about con- conversing. No, that's a real word. <laughs> Conversional. I don't know. Like, listen to us. We really know. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Yeah, wherever that is, whatever that word is. That's where you are. That's where I feel like I am, <laughs> which is really nice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for um fitting me in to I know what oh, is a busy but you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is a week. And yeah, just for this ongoing invitation to be around you in your work. Oh, I love it. I mm. love it so much. And it was so funny because in that last episode, we talked a lot about how we first met at yeah. that media event and we're talking about podcasts. And when whatnot. I was getting rinsed on the panel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Um, and yeah, it just feel it's so nice to kind of see one, like your evolution and then just to be in this constant communication around like these milestones Mm. for us both and like where we're at and getting to actually speak about that Mm. in and share it with people yeah fucking honor and a joy and a privilege yeah and it's so funny because I often get people who either dm me or they'll say yeah I heard you on a podcast and it's usually always offline Oh, <laughs> and you know I've done a lot of podcasts. You have. I'm like, which one? And big and ones as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that like makes the heart feel warm. And I think something I am not exempt from needing to hear, especially right now. Mm. You know, mm. somebody. I'm looking for some um, ad support, mm. and then we will finish this conversation. Um, and I reached out to somebody I used to work with, who's doing sort of independent. Um, podcast sales and immediately it's like, what are your monthly listens and your social followings? It's like, I can't, Mm. I need you to be in the soul of this brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that. Yeah. It's never going to be that. Yeah. And I decided that a long time ago. And so if that's how you're measuring whether it's worth your time or not, then Mm. it's obviously not going to be. Yeah. A fit because, yeah, it's obviously when I started the podcast, there wasn't that many podcasts mm. and it had a lot of early success, but sustaining listens mm, in a market a where there's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I so know. So many. What. So to hear that to me is like, they're there. Yeah. We're here. Oh, totally. And engaged, like mm. so engaged. Yeah. yeah. Somehow I made that about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a combo. I don't want to be about me. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I love you. I appreciate you. You too. Thank you. I look up to you Mm. and just like 
yeah, I don't know. Just see you in three going. years. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> three year check in. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. If something I said today landed deeply in your body and felt true, I want to encourage you to move into intentional action. Visit getoffline.co and consider signing up to my mailing list. You'll receive conscious career love notes from me, invitations to learn with me, and much more. One last thing. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to Offline, please share it with them.